0: Him to my house, and which is even a bigger process. You take the pod and you put it in the thing and slam it down, and then the coffee comes out. So uh, he, he went through that, you know, that it looked like he was eating broccoli when he was tasting the coffee. Like, mm, this is very tasty. Uh, but uh, no, it really is an honor to be here. Uh, I love Eric. Well, the first time we met, uh, we were both at a city meeting with the mayor and some other officials. About the when you know when they closed down the center of town you know every year I forget what they call it open streets yeah open yeah. streets you were paying attention in the meeting I wasn't uh, and they were talking about just the impact and um, there was like uh, a person from Costco there you know all the people being impacted and uh, so we go, we're, we're all sitting down around this big desk and we're introducing ourselves and Eric introduces himself and I'm like sweet there's like a like another like normal Garden Grove church. Um, and then uh, it goes around and this the president of the board of another church, I'm not going to tell you which church, he stands up. No one else was standing up. He stands up. And I'm like, please don't be from a church. Please don't no. be from a church. Please don't be from a church. <laughs> and he's like, I'm the president of the board. I'm like, please say Walmart. Come on. please. <laughs> uh, and he names the name of the church. And I'm like, Oh, man. So we kind of connected because we both have similar personalities. We both love Garden Grove very much. And uh, I just am so thrilled that this section of Garden Grove is being taken care of. And my prayer is that between our two churches, uh, we will reach 1% of Garden Grove, which means your church will be 1,000 and mine will be 700 because you you can do it better than I can. You're younger, so... (laughs) Cool, so uh, I called this sermon Distractions um, because uh, Eric wanted me to talk about social ills, and uh, you know, there's all sorts of social ills, and what we say at our church is, if you lift your feet up and allow the current of culture to take you where it's going, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. If you take your feet up and allow the current of culture to take you uh, where it's going, you'll end up in some place you don't want to be. And to me, one of the biggest social ills that I think is going on right now is our addiction to outrage. We are completely addicted to outrage. And what happens in our brains, my, my son has epilepsy, and so uh, um, he he uh, when he started having his seizures, um, we just started kind of studying the brain, and I, it just became kind of a hobby of mine. Uh, the brain is just like a hobby of mine. I, I'm weird like that. And like I said, mine never stops, so... So it's kind of fun to know, oh, that came from here, and that came from there. And uh, so what happens in the brain when you're outraged is there's first a short-term negative feeling, followed by an actual arousal of your brain. It releases endorphins. And so there's something about being outraged that, that can become addictive. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to end up offending almost everyone, um, which is okay. I do it all. I do it every week. Uh, my church is split right down the middle, Democrat and Republican, and and, and invo- involved. They're in, all involved individually in, in in politics. It's the only place I know of where they can coexist peacefully. And part of it is I don't really engage at all in politics um, uh, because I just i I would have a tendency to be addicted to outrage um, but um, but it also allows me to shepherd better because i can i, I don 't have to be on a side. I can just go well what, why why does that make you frightened or why does that make you angry or whatever So I only have one point this morning, and this is it: um, Our lenses of outrage can distort the beauty God has for us every day that God is working. In your life, in those around you, in your neighbors, in your co-workers. He's actually working, believe it or not, in politicians' lives. He's actually working in people who are other than us, right? And so, when we become outraged, we we, we get these filters that go over our eyes that God doesn't have. God doesn't see people through the lenses that we see them through. God doesn't call someone a Republican. He doesn't call someone a Democrat. He doesn't call someone racist or feminist or environmentalist or a Raider fan or a Tom Brady fan. He calls us his children. That's how he sees us. And that's how he sees everyone else that, uh, that you come in contact with. So I just, I just put some pictures up because uh, I just wanted us to get outraged so we could feel what it feels <laughs> like. Um and one is this, I don't know if you remember this picture, uh, if you remember this. So the, the kids wearing a Trump hat, and there's Native American, and they're, they're, this, this picture came out over the internet, and of course, everybody just went nuts, right? Trump people went nuts, the non, anti-Trump people went nuts, it just became this thing, and it just kept going on and on and on, and then the facts came out of some, I don't know what it was, but, but we were just like... So into the story. Why? Do you know the kid? No. Do you know the Native American guy? No. You know his name? mm Know the kid's name? No, no. Do you know where it was taken? You might. Did you change anything? Yeah, they always no, do, You didn't What's that? They always do, I, I I do basketball and soccer a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well how the well, and sports will get only, you outraged, that's, that's for sure. Only, that's, that's when to only call my mom and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would call my mom a mom time. Well, mm. you need to call your mom. Uh, so here's, uh, here's the, the top Democratic candidates. Some, half of you, statistically, are just like, get that picture off of that screen. This is a church, all right? You don't show that, that, that stuff there, right? So in you know, order to be equal pay, uh, some of you look at that, and you're just happy. Some of you are completely outraged. You can't help it. You're, it's your brain. Your, your brain does this. And, so, um, and don't try to find out which side I'm on, because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not. So here, f- instead of the real outrage stuff, do you remember when this happened? <laughs> <laughs> right? Michael Jackson hangs his baby out over a balcony. Oh, my gosh. You would have thought, I mean, first of all, that's frowned upon, just so I'm clear. <laughs> I don't I'll, I'll land on that side. That you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to hang your baby out over a, a balcony. But we, were, we went nuts over this. Because what happened was, we saw the image, we were disturbed, and that was negative. And then there was this flood of endorphins that said, I, I know which side is Right? I, I, know, I know that that's wrong. And your brain says, yeah, it, it confirms that in your brain. Yes, you are correct. And it feels, doesn't it feel awesome to be right? Oh my goodness, it feels awesome to be right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you a couple things from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I, we will get to the Bible, by the way. <laughs> you're like, what is this guy doing? Okay. Um, but in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there is just this one page. Just in the middle of all of it, that talked about these circles. And it changed my life. Okay? Uh, I, once you apply it to the Bible, okay? So, uh, we, ha- we all have this idea of a circle of concern. All right? And in the circle of concern, you're concerned about the government, religion. Income inequality, whatever, racism, feminism, you get concerned about these things. And we should be concerned. We should be concerned about climate change. We should be concerned about crime. We should be concerned about concussions in football and immigration and the economy. That's your circle of concern. Okay? But God has given you another circle. God has given you a circle of influence every single one of you you can influence your neighbors you can influence your spouse you can influence your kids you can influence the community where you gather for worship the ecclesia the gathering you can influence the kids on your soccer team you can influence people at school people at work you have a circle of influence god has given each of you a circle of influence and so in that circle of influence, you have your family and you've got ministry if any of you are volunteering and everybody should, uh, you know, neighbors and friends and all that kind of stuff. So here's the problem. When you focus on your circle of concern, and this can happen via Twitter, Facebook, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, you know, blogs, podcasts, whatever. You're 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 into you're into it what happens to you without you even knowing is your circle of influence actually shrinks cuz this is a shocker okay this is a shocker nobody cares about your circle of concern <laughs> <laughs> oh you're oh my goodness there's an impeachment going on yeah They'll, that's if they have it in their circle of concern great they might not but what happens if you stand, and we've all met these people, and, and, and if you're like, I don't know anybody like this, you're probably it. Um, <laughs> so, like, we've all met people where, where they're so involved in their circle of concern, you avoid them. You're like, oh boy, there's, there's that politic person again. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, no, my spleen just went out. I'll talk to you later. Like, we avoid it, right? So, so you can actually get to a place in your life that your circle of influence is so large, it blocks out your circle of concern. You, you, you can get to a place in your life that, you, you can, that you're influencing so many people around you that you do not have time to even know what the news is. My, my, my wife's a really good example of this. Um, <laughs> so I came home two days ago, and I said, I wonder how long those hearings are going to last. And she said, what hearings? And I said, the impeachment hearings, you know, with Donald Trump. She goes, he's he's going before, I'm like, forget it, don't, don't worry about it. Don't concern yourself with it, you're too busy to do that, okay? And so, the lenses of outrage, our lenses of outrage can distort the beauty that God has for us. Well, so let's get into the Bible uh, because that's why I'm here. And uh, you know what's cool about this church? I've been preaching for this very same minute this entire time. Been, I, I can go on forever. This is fantastic. They don't let me. They don't let me do that at my church. They have stop signs in the back that they hold up. It's time. Okay, right. So uh, we're gonna go into a, a book uh, it, it, written by James. So for those of you who are new to the Bible, uh, or new to maybe being a follower of Jesus, um, uh, the Bible is just a collection of texts. It's not just a giant book. And it was written by different authors over a long period of time. And one of the authors was Jesus's half-brother. Okay, Now the reason we call him his half-brother is because uh, Mary was his mom, but had... God the Father, as his dad, so they were half-brothers. And he wrote a book, and one of the things I like about James is that um, James believed that Jesus was God. And so if you can convince your brother that you're God, there's probably something to it, right? My brother is an executive vice president at Cisco, and uh, that, even that's not good enough for me to think he's God. So, um Uh, So here's what James says. He's writing to um, a church, essentially. So it applies to us. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note. Pay attention. Look out. I I better actually watch what I'm doing here. I think that's working. Really? Oh. You should probably get some new readers. Yeah. I can can see that. It It just stayed on the 10 for a long time. Hey, no. Yeah. No, no badgering the pastor when he's preaching. I, that, that is frowned upon at our church. No, it's really not. They, they, are, they are a very nasty bunch. Um, but take note of this. In other words, pay attention. Write it down. I, I, it says, though James is saying this, I'm about to tell you something super, super important. And, and when you see it, and if you apply it, it will change all of your relationships, okay? And this, is what he's, this is why he's saying, my dear brother and sister, I love you right? I want the best for you. So take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Ooh. Everyone should be quick to listen. In other words, in all of your relationships, in all of your conversations, it's like you go like, you start the conversation like this. Uh, Listening posture. You ever do that with a little kid? Your little kid, maybe your granddaughter or niece or nephew, or says, hey, I have something to tell you. And you get down and you look in their eyes and you make sure they know that you are present with them. In seminary, uh, they call that incarnational ministry, that Jesus himself came down. He did not regard equality with God something to be held onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And he comes down and he is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We all need to learn this discipline. Quick to listen. Have you ever? For those of you who are married, here's, here's, here's the temptation. You think you know your spouse like perfectly. right? I've been married 31 years. I think I know Lisa really well. But I will never, ever know her enough to know what she's going to say next. I might think I do. Like, oh, I know where she's going with this one. And all of a sudden you start thinking, if she does... I got this little bad boy in the background, right? And all of a sudden she says something, and it's like, oh, that wasn't anything of what I thought she was going to say. <laughs> like, oh. Quick, quick to listen. Now imagine you take one of your circles of concern, one of the issues, climate change. You're, you come from the thing, ah, hogwash. You know, you know there's no climate change, whatever, I don't know. Not that you'd ever talk like that. <laughs> okay. or, or you're like, you know, cars. I hate cars. You know we got, Whatever the thing is. But if you actually sit and you listen to a person who has another viewpoint of you, view, you begin to understand where they're coming from. And, and, and God is far more concerned with you understanding where they're coming from than having to be right. So we in our leadership team, we have a whole bunch of slogans we use all the time that ba- okay basically I have them all and I've, I keep saying them and one of them is do we want to be right or do we want to get it right do we want to be right or do we want to get it right so I have a neighbor he's a Raider fan you'd love him um, and, uh, and so I'm a Tom Brady fan okay right so um, uh, my church makes fun of me all the time mostly Raider fans they, you know, they can't stand it um, and I always make Raider jokes, and it's fun. But when, he talks, when we talk football, all I talk about is how good the Raiders are. I said, man, this is so great. They got, they got Gruden as a coach now, and Derek Carr seems to be coming. Like, their, front, their, their offensive line seems to be clicking now, all this kind of stuff. Why? Because I don't want to be right with my neighbor. I want to get it right. I want him to know that when his wife passes, which she just did, that he's got a place to go. And we're not making it about the Raiders. Quick to listen. And then here we go. Woo! I don't even want to push it. Okay. (laughs) Slow to speak. Slow to speak. One of the most difficult disciplines you'll ever have in your life is not going to the gym. It's not stopping, you know, eating sugar. Okay? It's going to be to be quiet. Slow to speak slow to speak. This is so practical and so difficult, but if we want to get it right, if we want to remove those lenses of outrage to where we listen to what the other side is trying to say, and we just be quiet, and we're slow to speak. One of the wackiest verses in the Bible is Jesus is in front of Pilate. And and he's basically being accused of something he didn't do, and his penalty is death. And he doesn't say anything. It was prophesied before that that he would be like a lamb being led to the slaughter. He didn't need to be right, and so he was quiet. So everyone needs to be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and here we go. And slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. I wanna just challenge you a little bit this morning. If there's a blog that you go to, and you know in advance you you go to it in order to get this firing of outrage, I would challenge you to not go to that blog anymore. If there's a news source that you have that you know, because the, the, the reality is, and this is not, I'm not wearing like tinfoil on my head, conspiracy theory guy, okay? They have writers, that get paid a lot of money to click those buttons for you. That's how they That's how they get eyeballs. That's how they get... They want you to be addicted to the outrage so that you keep coming back so that ratings go up, so that they make more money. And so my challenge to you is that you become... You're slow to become angry. Now, is there any reason to be angry? Absolutely there's yeah. reason to be angry. Absolutely there's things that should outrage you. Um, you know, any, anytime there's... Um, people are objectified, or uh, the least of these are being threatened in any way that, that should there 's a righteous anger one time Jesus <laughs> got so angry i don 't know how this all went down, but he 's in the temple, and it says he fashioned a whip okay so i don 't know i I tend to read the Bible differently, but i I could just picture him sitting in the corner like going. Hey, give me that! Give me some of that leather over there. <laughs> and he's just like going, "Okay, so you're selling doves for fourteen bucks, and they're supposed to be a dollar." Okay, well, but you're just kind of this this slowness. It, I, I don't see Jesus just walking in and going, "Like this is." The, he got angry and he did overturn the tables, but it, it, there's this sense of calm and process. I'm going to fashion this whip, and then I'm going to start off at the dove. Traitors. then I'm gonna to go to the money changers and then I'm going to there's this sense of calm within the anger slow to anger quick to listen you do have to be calm slow quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry now why why does God do this why does James write this out because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires I don't care how angry you get about racism. You're not going to solve it. You're not going to be able to do anything. Go ahead and read thousands of articles on it. Get it all down. Get it all, all worked up. What would be better is if you became friends with a person that was other, and you were quick to listen to their story, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We, um, well, here, we'll we'll keep going. Again, our lenses of outrage can distort the beauty that God has for us every day. Therefore, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word implanted that can save you. So in other words, okay, for, for a second, just stop your circle of concern, stop all the inputs that are coming in, all the evil, all the injustice and all that and focus in on God's word humbly accept it and then he says this do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says I promise you if your number one goal in life is to do what the word of God says your circle of concern just shrinks because you're starting with you and that's something you can actually change. That's something that you can ha- actually have control over. You won't be as outraged, and so that addiction is going to have to be put to the wayside. But you humbly do what it says. So one of the things that I, I love about your church, is when I was talking to Eric, and he was saying, "Well, you know, we meet at Eastgate Park," and I said, "Oh yeah, my son, we go to went to that community center and all, all that," and um, he said, "Yeah, we." You know, kind of your rhythm of of being in small groups one of the weeks, and then uh, serving. What is it? The fifth Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you guys get it. It's like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You're you're not sitting here just going, "Oh, I just need more of the word, brother. I need more of the word. I need more of the word. I need more of the word." But what are you gonna do with it? <laughs> like, you sh- you should be changing. And so you guys take that week and and you go and serve. So we do we do something similar. Uh, every year, we we shut church down uh, one Sunday. We only do it one Sunday. You guys put us to shame. but um, And we go fix up houses in Garden Grove. And then the um, this year, uh, this program we do, we're working with 30 elementary schools, okay? Um, and we go to their elementary school, and we give them a sheet of paper, and we say, give us your poorest 10 families. And so um, they write down how many kids that each family has, and then we give them a voucher, and they give that voucher to the family, and then it'll be on December 14th. Um, on a Saturday, we, uh, we hand out toys. Each kid gets, well, the parents pick toys for their kids. They each get one per child, so it's not this giant thing. But there will be a 1,000 children uh, from our little church that get something of Garden Grove's most neediest people. So what's more important? To read about school shootings and to be upset about that or give Christmas to a thousand kids. See, for us, for our kind of church family, we're just doers. Like like we have to do, if we're not doing, we feel like we're losing. And so, so it's it's grown. And every year, it's so funny, because I'm preaching this, but I don't, I get so nervous every year. So we started out, when we first did it, it was 150 kids. And then the next year, the person running is like, we're going to do 250. And I'm like, nah, I talked to the Lord. He said, no, uh, let's keep it. <laughs> I, I feel really good about 150, because it, it makes me feel secure and safe, right? We did 250, then it was 500, then it was 600, then it was, last year it was 800. And so now they're like, let's do 1,000. And I'm like, you guys are killing me. But they, they, they get it. Don't just hear about people who are living in poverty. Do something about it. He says, anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. So you probably all got up. You all look fantastic. So you probably looked at yourself in the mirror. And after looking uh, at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Okay? But whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues what? In it. In it. So when you have your quiet time and you get into the word of God and you look and you go, man, I got to work on me. Your circle of influence begins to grow. You've probably seen it in your own life. It's probably something you're good at, right? So let's say you decide to lose weight, okay? And and so that's just you, and you've changed your diet, and you started going to the gym or whatever. What, what immediately happens after the first 10 pounds? Somebody comes up to you and says, have you lost weight? Your circle of influence just expanded. Because now you're sharing a part of your life with them. Like, yeah, I just started... Oh, okay, wow, that's good. Well, keep up the good work. Or maybe you've learned a language. You're learning a language. And somebody hears you speaking Spanish or speaking whatever. Uh, and they're like, oh, how'd you learn that? Oh, well, let me tell you, I, I went through this course and I did that. Your circle of influence, as you work on you, your circle of influence grows, right? So he says, continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing uh, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they Do, not what they learn, not what they hear, not what they read, not what they retweet, repost, not what they text, in what they do. Our lenses of outrage can distort the beauty God has for us every day. And this is just a word of encouragement to your church because this next verse, uh, or the one after it, really applies to you guys. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a rein on their tongues. And by tongues, this also means fingers, right? You ever done that? You ever sent an email you shouldn't have sent? (laughs) A text, a tweet? You ever posted something online? You ever posted a reply? Someone posts something online? I have a rule that I don't, I just don't engage. And I broke that rule a year ago because somebody had posted something and I got on and I did not keep a tight rein on my fingers and I said it and I'm telling you 17 times the Lord said to me don't do that no 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 delete that delete that I'm like Send it? No, delete it. (laughs) Send it now? No. The answer is no. Click. Right? And damage was done. Because I didn't keep a tight rein on it. Right? I was right, by the way. (laughs) I was. I was right. But I didn't get it right. Guess what happens when I send that reply And I shouldn't have. Guess what happens when I blurt out something I shouldn't have? My religion is worthless. It's worthless. Because what's supposed to happen as we're followers of Jesus is there's supposed to be this internal change. We're supposed to have love just flowing out of us. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control. That's what a Christian looks like. Not a retweeter. Not someone who's addicted to outrage. He says this. Religion that our God accepts is pure and faultless is this. (laughs) It's taking the fifth Sunday and going and serving. That's what he likes. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep. One'self being polluted by the world. So um, Eric said that typically, what you guys do after uh, you preach is you give a grade to the person. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have cards underneath your thing, you know. Uh, no, is that we discuss? We ha- have a time of discussion, and he was really clear in his dis- in his instructions of write out some questions, and um, which I disobeyed because. Um, I just wanted to, to just open up discussion on anything you saw there that the Holy Spirit might be, uh, um, might be talking to you about. I don't know how open you guys are with each other, but if I had to write down a question, my first one would be, So, what outrages you? What do you think you need to get rid of? That would have been my first question. But then if you're all like, shifting in your seats, like, oh well, I don't want to say anything now, because then I'll admit that I'm outraged. Um, so I don't know, so Eric, I don't know what you guys normally do, uh, or if Patience. you have any, any questions, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I said a joke, I said a joke, see, you're, all Raider your fans, they have this like rough exterior, but I think they're just hiding their soft hearts. Because <laughs> I have a friend just like that. He, matter of fact, he sent me a picture. Uh, he's, he's playing in the worship band. He has a Raiders hat on, and he's like, "What do you think about it now?" You know. So, um, but um, I said, I said, uh, I was talking about hope, and I said the best definition of hope I ever came across was. The Raiders at the beginning of the season, right? And so, and so all the Raider fans, food and the column. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they get you. They get you. So what else? Yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we'll do like the kind of three Ps if there is uh, something you agreed with, the, the, the praise, the pushback, if there's yep. something you didn't right. agree with, or, or the problem, something that you would have a further question on. Um, I think that question, what outrages you, or... I have a friend who was outraged <laughs> by, <laughs> which is also a good way to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think what we could do is maybe, out, you know, some of those circle of concern, circle of influence questions uh, were good. Why don't we just take a minute or two and just turn to the person next to you and just share maybe things that outrage you or something you picked up from the sermon um, or something um, between the circle of concern and circle of influence. Um or if there was a piece of James 1 19 through 25, is that what you're uh, That stood out to you. Just take a few minutes and then we'll jump back into some, some group discussion. discussion. I'll, let pro- I'll let the pros take over a lot of things. Right? Yeah. She was right up to this